Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Good Shabbos, and uh, well, thank you for joining us this morning. The, uh, the memory came to me, uh, well, this morning is uh, Shabbat Shira. It is Parshat B'Shalach, which is the exodus of the Jews out of Egypt, and famously so, that uh, the Israelites on the uh, other edge, other side of the shores of the Red Sea, when they make their way to safety, they begin uh, to break out in song. And the mechanics of the song and exactly who, why, where, and how was all very fascinating, lots of theological, historical, liturgical, musical elements to it, but I just want to unpack it a little bit for you. And I thought about uh, that Shabbat, which is today, and how traditionally, typically, that Shabbat is a moment of great music in the congregation, not only in this one, but in shuls and congregations throughout the world, choirs and, and all the like. And I remember for myself, um, in my early years, when I lived about eight years, just a little under eight years in Israel, a very close friend of mine, we went to Bar Ilan together, we served together in the army. His father was a former chief rabbi of Akko. It was Rabbi Yossi Malka, and uh, I actually took my, um, uh, my preparation for the rabbinate in Israel to get my, uh, to get my smicha, my ordination, is you had to, to choose one of three things. Uh, you, it was not just an academic degree. They wanted something practical. So in addition to all the other academic things you had to undertake, they also wanted you to choose a profession, so to speak. So you had to choose whether or not you wanted safrut, which is to be a scribe, or to be a circumciser, a mohel, or a ritual slaughterer for meat. Uh, to be a scribe wasn't for me. Um, I studied everything for the ritual circumcisions, but it was a long, it was a long practice uh, period. They, more than a year at least before you would even be considered that you could actually do the, um, do the operation. So slaughtering seemed to be the easier thing. And so I spent a month actually in, in Akko learning all the mechanics of it. Um, and up in Akko, um, it was also the place of a very large and prominent Moroccan Jewish community in Israel. And one of the outstanding features of Moroccan synagogues in Israel and elsewhere is that they don't necessarily have a chazan, but they had someone called a payetan. A payetan translated into English would be someone like an, a lyricist or a, someone who is a poet. And one of the other outstanding traditions that you saw in the Moroccan congregations, and it's also in other uh, Near Eastern Jewish communities, is that unlike in the Ashkenazic communities where large swaths of the prayer service are said silently, where the beginning verses and the concluding verses will be recited by the cantor, by the chazan, but the rest is silent. In the Moroccan community and others, the tradition is they say everything out loud. And the payetan, who's kind of like the cantor, that he leads the congregation in sing-songing every word of the prayer. They say everything aloud to a melody. One of the things it does, first of all, it obviates the needs for people to have Sidurim prayer books. If there's a shortage of prayer books, people can share, but they, you learn early on the songs, and thus you begin to learn the prayers. The other thing it does is that it inculcates a communal sense of what it means to pray constantly together. The other thought that comes to me is, is that prayers were always meant to be said to music, as I indicated earlier. 
The psalms that fill much of our prayer services are also were originally intentioned to be sung to music. It's poetry that was meant to music. An outstanding example of this was just in the inauguration of Joseph Biden, the newly installed American president. They had a wonderful young African-American poetess, uh, uh, Amanda Gorman. And when you heard, and hopefully you have, if you haven't, it's on YouTube. But when you heard her poem, she sing-songed it. There was a lilt to it. It wasn't just words that she recited on paper, but there was kind of a song, a melody, as she gave the poem over to the people who were listening. Interestingly enough, I know I was watching a documentary a few months ago about the uh, Irish rock band U2. And the, the, uh, the lead singer of U2 is this very uh, quirky, extraordinary person called Bono. And Bono, it says that um, he never writes down the lyrics to the song. He hears the music a few times, and then he goes into the studio, and the music is played, and the words simply come out. The other thought is, as I contemplate this morning of Shabbat Shirah, it's something that I learned years ago from a professor of mine, Yisrael Kunol, who's the, uh, who's the chair of biblical literature at Hebrew University. He wrote a book called Mikdash de Mama, The Sanctuary of Silence. And what he posits in that book is that the first and second temples in Jerusalem, Solomon's temple and then the rebuilt temple, that in those temples, there was no noise at all. It was completely silent. There were no, no one reciting prayers out loud. There were no pages being called. There was no cantor singing anything. It was completely silent, except for one moment when they would sing the Psalms at the beginning of the day. All of this reminds me of the power of song and music. All of this reminds me about how I have officiated in my life in hundreds, if not thousands of moments. I have asked people to repeat words after me more times than I count. And I can assure you, I can assure you that none of those moments compared to the moments when people in a congregation have sung together. So the Israelites leave Egypt, and they get to the other side of safety of the Red Sea. And then we read in that penultimate moment, that great moment of Jewish history, when they secure their freedom, what do they do? The Torah tells us, Az Yashir Moshe, and Moses begins to sing, and the people sing along with him. And this man who couldn't speak, we are told that Moses himself declares that he is that I am not a man of words, but that this man who cannot speak, he amazingly, remarkably finds the words to sing. Reminds me also the story of the American country singer Mel Tillis. Mel Tillis, for those of you who might remember, he was very popular and famous in the 60s and 70s and 80s. Mel Tillis had a debilitating stutter. I heard him uh, interviewed a few times, and he could barely get the words out when he spoke. But Mel Tillis learned, discovered early on in his life, that when you sing, remarkably, you don't stutter. 
Moses, according to rabbinic tradition, was a stutterer. And so in the moment that called for just sheer response, Moses didn't even try to talk. Moses sang. I can tell you with this reflection, humbly I submit to all of you, that a religious congregation, a synagogue, a shul, a community can survive without someone talking on Shabbat. But I can most certainly assure you that Jewish communities cannot survive without people leading them in song. And why is that? And that is because song, music, is the great equalizer in Jewish life. We well know that in order to open up a siddur, a prayer book, and to pray, it is what sociologists call a high barrier moment. Think about it for a moment. You have to be able to read Hebrew, number one. Number two, you have to be familiar with the structure of the prayers to know when comes what and when to stand and when to sit and do all those other things. You have to be familiar with the structure of the prayer book. You have to be familiar with the structure of the service so you know the appropriateness of the choreography and everything that goes along with it. It's also helpful to know a little bit of the language so that the context of the prayers in some way that they can affect and inspire you as you're saying them. And yet music requires none of that. Music is not a high barrier moment. Music is a low barrier moment. You don't have to know or understand how music is created or be able to read notes to be inspired by music. And so, whether or not you're a davener or not a davener, whether or not you're Jewishly educated or not Jewishly educated, or maybe just educated in general, maybe you're rich or maybe you're not wealthy, but you all gather in the synagogue and you hear music, and what's, what music does ultimately, music builds community. Music builds community in a way that words and speaking cannot and will never do. When the Israelites were leaving Egypt, the ancient rabbis asked this very appropriate question. Because as the Israelites make it to the other side of the shore, not only does Moses lead them in music, we also hear that Moses' sister Miriam, that she leads them in song and dance and music. The Torah, in fact, tells us that they bring out tupim, they bring out uh, cymbals and drums and all these other things to make music as they're singing along in this festive and redemptive moment. And the ancient rabbis ask, where in God's name did they get the musical instruments from? One interpretation is, in the Talmud it says, that when the uh, Israelites left Egypt, that God made the instruments for them, that they were waiting there for them. It was a miracle. And yet another interpretation from the Tanchuma, from the Midrash, it tells us, no, 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 they said, God didn't make a miracle and magically miraculously make musical instruments appear on the other side of the Red Sea as they were saved. They go, no, no, no. They go, the Israelites took the musical instruments with them as they were leaving Egypt. As if to say, even in this moment of high danger, we're going to need to make music one day. The words Az Yashir and Moses sang 
Those same ancient rabbis tell us the word az yashir does not simply mean and Moses sang. It also means and they will sing, not just the past, but the future. That the reasons for us to sing are not only historical, they will also be in expectancy of the things that will come. Aziv zimrati, that God is my strength and the source of my song. I stand here on this morning and the sanctuary is empty. I deeply miss, as I know so many of you do, the presence of people in the sanctuary, of voices, of song in the sanctuary. I deeply miss the choir, our Ruach singers. We haven't heard them in over a year. And when I think about the absence of them here in this choir loft on a day like this, it saddens me. And yet as the Israelites, when they left Egypt, they brought the musical instruments with them, knowing that the day will come when they will sing and need to sing. We know that too. That day shall come. And may it be soon. Shabbat Shalom.